I'm Lissa. I'm Phil. This is the Bitch Seat Podcast. This is the Bitch Seat Podcast. Um, gosh, whenever whenever that song cues in, I feel like I can really just sink into a deep place of peace. How about you, Phil? Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, yo. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go... What? Don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. Um, they can't see the look, so... It's true. Um, you guys maybe shouldn't sit across from each other. No, that's all part of the fun. That's all part of the fun. Uh, in, a, in a moment, we're going to uh, it, we're going to introduce our fantastic guest, also an Astoria neighborhood friend, uh, Katie Kampa. Uh, but uh, first, um, Phil, I want to share with you this... Um, I had nothing to do with it. You want to share. I know. I'm going to share it with you. Okay. Because you're sitting oh, across from me. I Phil and I. Sorry, I can't hear. I can hear myself. We're doing great today, guys. <laughs> this is... No, no. We're great. We're, we're rolling. We're in the, we're in Listen, the routine. Listen... We got a little bit less sleep than anticipated last night. We lost an hour. We did. We lost an hour. But But we gained an hour of sunshine. Isn't that right? No, that's true. I'm very, very excited. Very excited that I can leave work and it'll be sort of twilighty as opposed to it's twilight. Oh, I better wrap up work. At least we can be grateful for the fact like we got up at eight today, which is essentially seven. But, you know, back in the day, I got up at five in the morning every single day for like years at a time Me to too. go to school. So I got up at four to go to start to work at Starbucks like every day. So I don't know. I understand why it's so difficult for us now. Because we're old. Fair enough. Um, so I'm going to read this uh, this little uh, entry from, again, the, the unmarked notebook, the unmarked uh, Marvel composition book, which still does deserve a name of some sort because it's just kind of like a depository for all of these extra things that didn't make it into journals. But uh, a lot of it was written in sixth grade. And uh, this I remember really specifically um, because of the content, which you'll hear in a moment. So I didn't even address it to anybody. There's no date or anything out of character okay maybe this is why it doesn't have a name it's just it's too can't be can't be made precious because it's too like it's like raw. the uh the what is it the grave of the the unmarked grave for the the soul the tomb of the unknown soldiers right yes. yes this is the tomb of the unknown soldiers for for the writings of adolescent Lisa mandel great i All like right. that that's good Go. it's, it's a long title it's fine The events that have happened lately have made a permanent scar in my mind. No more than five weeks ago, I saw a blaring, colorful Broadway show, Tommy. And before I had a chance to forget about that, my dance recital came about. For some strange reason, I wasn't nervous at all through the whole performance. When I waited backstage, I kept reminding myself, this is the last time I'll be doing this dance, or hearing this music, or wearing this costume. But the painful arrows of depression never spat their venom into my heart. Until today. (laughs) It wasn't until today when the two shows swirled together in a giant tornado of all the anger, depression, tiredness, sadness, fear, and excitement that I had been holding inside me for a long while back. Though I wouldn't let my facial expression admit it, I was crying like a rain cloud inside. That's it. So, uh... Uh, so you, the show ended and you were depressed. You were very sad. Well, no, but like here, okay, I don't know how these two things are related to each other. The fact that I saw Tommy, which by the way, did you ever see the Who's Tommy when it was on Broadway? No, <clears throat> I never, I didn't go to Broadway until, I, I didn't see a Broadway show until I was in high school and it was Annie Get Your Gun with Tom Wopat and Bernadette Peters. Oh, no, was, that must have been amazing. It was amazing, but it was also like, how many times are you going to do Annie Get Your Gun? 
I don't know, man. I saw Les Mis three times before the age of 10. Fair enough. Uh, which I don't know, maybe contributed to, to the despair, but like Tommy really fucked me up. And I remember in sixth grade feeling and my brother too. Like we had the same experience with the music. And then of course, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Tommy, there's like a whole like side plot of a creepy uncle molesting the main character when he's a child. And, you know, there is a way of showing this on stage, which is like a spinning bed and like everything is implied, but it, it scared the shit out of me. And I just remember carrying it around in my body. And then somehow I guess it got like mixed in with all of the intense feelings that come with dance recital at the end of the year. But I don't know if you notice this here, which is interesting to see in hindsight. Um, the painful arrows of depression never spat their venom into my heart until today. It's like I was waiting for that venom. It's like I was calling well, you that venom was. to me. Yeah. But it was like, God forbid, a single um, milestone goes by in my life without having a huge grieving process surrounding it. Well, but I was the same way when things would end, when shows would end, if it was the last time I was going to do a scene, because I, I was very, very theater-focused. So. Right. That that last moment is very, you know, it means a lot because it's the summation of every other moment before it that you've done over and over and over and you're going to do it one more time. So you get it right or you just make sure you don't forget to experience it as it's happening or... So were you also a person who, like, when something that was important to you ended, you clung to it really, yeah. really, really hard? Yeah, I mean, even into my 20s when, we'd, when I did the community, the first time that summer that I did Cabaret... Um, because I did, I wound up doing it twice because somebody quit their cliff quit in another town and they needed one immediately, like two days before. And I was cliff a month prior. So they, but the first time, the last show, I was like unresponsive sitting on like the dressing room couch. Like I was so upset because I knew that all the connections, I don't know, I I guess at that point, you know, when a show is going to end, all the connections you made are eventually going to just be like. They're gonna taper off and Yeah, but I don't I had such a deep fear every single time that I was just going to be forgotten about that that other that it didn't mean as much to other people as it meant to me, or that the fear that I would never find something else that meant as much as this thing was, whatever the thing was. Um but I don't know if that was like a universal child thing or if that was a weird me thing. Like if other people felt that kind of nostalgia. I I don't know. I think we we all sort of experienced that, but it's it's for different reasons. Well, I mean, you you felt that way. Why? Because you didn't think that you you didn't see anything on the horizon that you could sort of attach. Yeah, because I didn't. Because I always assumed that anything that would happen in the future couldn't possibly be as meaningful as whatever the thing was that had just happened to me. Of course not. Yeah, when you get to that like emotional height, you you don't see it getting higher because you're you're there. You're on the top of the mountain. I guess so. I don't know. Things have turned around now because now I'm just so future focused. That you can't see the moments as they're happening exactly. or enjoy them. Exactly. Yeah. So am I any better? Probably not. You know, uh, now, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I had a moment last night where I was, I was wearing uh, a long shirt and leggings, which was essentially the outfit that I wore in elementary school every single day was like flowery leggings and a giant t-shirt with maybe one of those little like round things that you like pull the corner of the t-shirt through. And, um, and I, I wondered if like that was kind of the summation of all of the spiritual work that I've been doing outside of this is that I'm just, I'm returning to a place of simplicity and playfulness, which, and by that, I mean, I'm dressing like a fourth grader all over again. Is that an improvement? I don't know. 
Well, I'm I'm never going back to wearing horizontal stripe sweaters. So, but you are wearing horizontal stripes today. The, re- Am I? the, the oh yeah, a the lot listeners of them. can't tell, but you this are. is the third day I've worn this t-shirt. But you still smell so good. What I the fuck? Uh, our shower sucks too. We're not talking about that right now. <laughs> That's even right. worse than it's our not past. Not like our super can understand what we're saying. Okay, let's go to our next yeah. guest. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So uh, let's. Um, our 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 guest today, as I said, uh, is uh, an a story, a person as we are as well. So, you know, special bias about that. She is a comedian. She runs a show called dudes being dudes being dudes, which is non, uh, people who are non straight dudes doing straight dude characters doing stand up. And she's also got two podcasts that she'll tell you about in a second. But, uh, for the moment, please welcome Katie Kampa. You guys picked really good music. Thanks, man. <sighs> Sorry, just give it a moment for the bass to drop in this. If you, for those who can't see at home, there's yeah. just a moment where Melissa was staring off into the middle distance and sighing <laughs> at this song. Oh, it's so fucking good. Hey, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Yeah. Um, my big outing. I just got over a really bad bout of bronchitis, so was, that's why I was all like on time. <laughs> I'm like, I have somewhere to be today. Yay. I have something to do. I'm so glad we could get you out of the house. Then. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Katie, did you? Uh, and you were sitting here listening to this silly conversation about um, getting really attached to things when they end. Did you? Were you that kind of kid too, or did yeah, you just kind of like let stuff pass? Yeah. No, I was very. Uh, I was very serious as a kid, and it was like my parents got divorced when I was eight, and that was like oh, really wolf. hard for me. And I was so I was always reading like the Bobsy Twins and like Little House on the like anything with happy parents you know <laughs> i watched the parent trap like a million times oh i loved that movie yeah. Which, my parents were very worried that my sister and i were gonna try and do it and we were like chill the fuck out you guys it is wish fulfillment <laughs> like come on you know, we don't want you to get back together you and your sister did think about that uh, from time to time no or or did your did your family life improve no, dramatically they were, when- it didn't improve dramatically but they were so um it wasn't like dramatic the breakup you know it was very much like this is what's happening and and you know. so you were eight. How much of it did you understand at the time? I understood. Oh, I knew what did. was happening. Yeah. And were you surprised, or was it like I was oh, very thank surprised? God. I was very surprised. Oh, and no, it was not good. It was. It was like, and it was like now, from what I know, from what was going down between my parents, like my mom was supposed to tell us, and she didn't. She just left and went on a trip, so that my dad had to tell us. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, it was really bad. And I was the one who knew what was going on. My sister was five, so she had no clue. So she started crying because I started crying because I had been reading books about people whose parents got divorced, and it was just like every single one was like, "I go to my dad's house and I sleep on a pullout couch there because he just has a rental apartment." That which was like not what happened yeah. with my parents at all. So, oh, and where where did you grow up? Where was this? Tacoma happening? Park, Maryland. Maryland. Yes, yeah. I knew it was an East Coast thing. Um. I uh, like one of the main recurring nightmares that I had growing up was that my parents would get divorced, mm-hmm. and uh, I was lucky, you know, they didn't, they didn't, and they're still together, and it's been whatever, like forty-five years or something crazy. Um, but uh, that was like the horror fantasy that I had. So, as somebody who went through it, do you feel the like the reality was worse than the fear? Oh, I mean, no, no, no wait, I got that back. I got back. Sorry, that was backwards. It was totally like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was a pain in the ass because my parents had joint custody, so I had to go back and forth every week. So you did do that, like pack a sleepover bag and like spend uh, no, three days. No, I just one had place. stuff at both houses. It yeah. was a week at each. So um, did they live far away from each other? No, they lived like ten minutes apart. Oh, so you didn't yeah. have to like change schools or anything nope. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they really they they took pains to make it like amicable and you know not hard on us but it still was of course of course <laughs> it was like, yeah 
And uh, I mean, you'll notice that I am still single today. So, <laughs> are they? Uh, did they get along afterwards or maintain yeah, contact? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're still good friends. And Great. it's like weird, you know, like when we get together, I'm like, "You guys were married. <laughs> this is weird." Oh, right. <laughs> like, do you ever have holidays together? Uh, no, not all of us. It's usually we alternate. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Go to one for Thanksgiving, one for Christmas. Or, you know, now I'm like, uh, I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving. Thank you. I'll be doing Orphan Thanksgiving with my friends, even though you I know, do. You know, that always sounds so good. And every year I want to try it. And then every year I end up just going to the, the giant, like, extended family yeah. thing. If there's good food, like, if my mom's cooking Thanksgiving dinner, I'll go home for Thanksgiving. But mm-hmm. if it's like, we're going to go meet, some, we're going to somebody else's house, I'll be like, nah, that's cool. I'm going to stay with my friends. What's Thanks. your favorite thing that your mom would make? For Thanksgiving. Uh, she makes really good cranberry sauce and her gravy is like off the fucking chains. <laughs> I can't get enough. Yeah. You and there's never enough. It's always like by the end of the meal, we're done with like the original gravy. We have to go to the jar gravy. And I'm like, this is not the fine. same. It's just it's not a placeholder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you kind of set, set the example for your little sister then. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like that's, been the case throughout your life with the two of you that's the relationship where it was yeah and like way more before I got into therapy because I, I was like yeah. really up in her business and then once I got into therapy I was up like, in her business how like trying to tell her how to live yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah like I don't like that guy you need to break up with him you know like but why do you have that job that's not a good job I mean it was definitely You're like my to real opinion yeah totally but it's it wasn't appropriate it was like you know, I mean, it's like I can state my opinion once and then back off. That's fine. But I can't be like, you need to do this. Why aren't you doing that? And it made her feel like powerless when I did it, I think. So. How long did that go on until it was addressed? Uh, Like I was like 28 when I got into therapy. And that was like one of the first things that we talked about. I think. So you guys I was are like, pretty I don't have any problems, but my sister, let me yeah. tell you, my therapist is like, uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> do tell. Yeah. Well, what, what problems does your sister have? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was totally like that too. I was the, the older child and, um, uh, there's like three and a half years between me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Is that two and a half? Yeah. And, uh, he, he looked up to me and it's so sad. You can see it on the home videos. He's always like looking for my approval and I am such a bossy bitch. Yeah. Oh, I'm the worst. There's, there's videos that I, like before I got, was doing therapy, my sister found this old video of us playing Chinese jumper with my cousin and I had to leave the room cause it was like so painful for me to watch myself being like, oh. you're doing it wrong. And I was yeah. so unhappy. It was like really, really hard to be. I, I had, I was just like, can you turn this off? If you don't turn this off, I'm leaving. And I just left. Oh. Yeah, I have in college, my brother's 11 years younger than me. And there's there's footage of me directing him in a scene. <laughs> and I was, I'm like 21, 22, and he's 10. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get him to talk to this action figure like so. <laughs> and he's not doing it right. And I'm yelling at him and he's getting frustrated and he's 10 and I'm like 21 and I'm an adult. <laughs> I, it's very hard for me to watch. It was very hard for me to edit that even after the fact, but yeah, yeah it, it's not fun. Cause you're, why do you put so much emotional weight yeah. on somebody Yeah. And then you watch else? yourself and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with that person? Seriously. Like, from the outside, it looks, you could yeah. tell you're wrong, but in the moment, how do you control it? Yep. That's, uh, that's always what I'm pursuing. I don't know. And is, does that come from a place of like, I don't feel like I have any control over my life in general. So I just need to feel like I control something. Oh, here's a, here's a specimen that's easy to control. Yeah. My sibling. Maybe. Maybe. I was very much like a stickler for the rules overall. Were you? Yeah. So you were like a real good student? I was, no, I was not a good student. I, I, I followed the rules, but yes. I had real bad ADD, so I was never real good at school. But um, yeah, just like 
in terms of like cursing, I would get like really offended when people cursed, which is like, I'm like an F-bomb machine now. So Oh, know. really? Yeah. But do you think that was trickle down from your parents? Like were you, were there a lot of rules in your house? No, I think it was more, more of the wish fulfillment stuff from like the proper books that I was reading. You know, it was like, I read stuff from the 50s and I was going to say the Bobsy twins yeah. when you were growing up in like the 80s, 90s. Yeah, when I was like, when people didn't get divorced because everyone was happier. And now I don't think that at all. And I'm like, divorce is great. <laughs> like more people should do it you know i understand i mean you know it's interesting how we just reflect this like desire to not change Mm -hmm. almost like kids are are like tiny fundamentalists yeah it's true (laughs) um and i remember in like what was it second grade or fourth grade um there was like uh an election and I mean, I come from a real liberal, like democratic family, but I didn't really understand politics at the time yet. I just knew what the status quo was and Mm -hmm. the status quo was comfortable for me and I was always afraid of change. So when this election happened, I'm pretty sure it's when, I'm pretty sure it's when Clinton was elected. Yes. Um, But like, again, I didn't understand politics yet. I didn't understand anything that was going on. All I knew was that there was a change. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing something like in a school assignment or like in a notebook that I turned in for an assignment where I was like cursing out Bill Clinton. Oh my God. Not knowing anything about him, but just knowing that he was different. And my teacher like contacted my parents about it and and, like wrote something like, that's not very nice to say because I said something about like, I think he should die or something like... Do you think that this might have colored your support of Bernie Sanders uh, <laughs> in the present time? How so? As like as like just a not penance? trusting Clintons in general. Uh, oh, well, no. Oh. I think it was a completely different reason to not. Fair trust. enough. Fair enough. But we're we're not going to go down that road right now because right. that's not what this podcast is about, <laughs> and I don't want to have a fight with Katie on the air. That's fine. <laughs> so, I don't think we're going to fight. We're. I mean, you have to understand. Like Bernie is my people. That is like what Tacoma Park is made of. Yeah. It's like, they're definitely going bananas for Bernie right now. Oh, yeah. And that's why I don't think he can be president. <laughs> bananas yeah. for Bernie. Yeah. He's he's too good. He's like the moral center on The Walking Dead mm-hmm. or Game of Thrones where it's like, nice to have, but he's probably... He's the Ned Stark. Ned yeah, Stark. He's, he's like a man with too much yeah. honor. He's, yeah. he's, he's, what the fuck were you doing with all that honor? What good did it do you? Now you're dead. I mean, <laughs> but you're right. Oh, God, that's so The Herschel Green of The Walking Dead or the... Anybody that's dead in The Walking Dead because they get an episode where they're the moral center and then they die. Yeah. Stupidly. Stupidly. <laughs> that's um, why spoilers. I had to stop watching it. Yeah. It was just like. Because you know when yeah. somebody has attention, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to see them yeah. very long. Yeah. And then they do something really dumb where you're oh, like. always. It's a fatal flaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. That's. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, I have nothing like... to contribute. I don't watch Walking Dead because I watched like the first couple of episodes and it just gave me too much anxiety. It's a lot of garbage. Um, the first few episodes pissed me off. First few seasons, actually. Yeah, that's I stopped watching it. I mean, I hear it's good now, but it's yeah. like the first few... When the girl shot her sister and like couldn't fucking shoot her sister, Yeah, I was like, I am out. I can't. Well, She's a fucking zombie. Shoot her in the face now. In the comic book, <laughs> Andrea is a much cooler, more defined character, but they completely shit the bed with that character on TV. Mm-hmm. But they replaced the, the whole writer's... After yeah. the first season, didn't they? It, after the second and third. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so finally, they settled on people, and they mm-hmm. actually just took all the good attributes and spread it around to other characters. So now it's an actual ensemble. Oh, it's excellent. a real functioning show, <laughs> which is cool. How exciting. Yeah, right? Let's, uh, Sorry. Let's, uh, I would love to contribute, so but I've never seen it, so I just don't want I don't know what to say. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right. No more. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Sorry. 
God, just <laughs> leaning on your hand. I'm sulking. Yeah, you, you're you like, got the, sorry. I'm yeah. not sorry. <laughs> She's got that renaissance, like, cherub leaning on his arm, like, Unweird. tired. Yeah. yeah. There's a great painting in the Met. It was in the Met, right? <laughs> yes. In like the, the the Renaissance area, and it's like a whole forest <laughs> scene. And I don't know who's depicted in it. Is it is it's it a, like is a it a Mary is it a, a Mary and Jesus? No, it pa- looks painting? like a courting couple. Like there's there in the in the foreground, it's a man and a woman, and they're, they're it's a, a very Midsummer Night's Dream yeah, kind of. They're enjoying feel. their time. They're they're wearing white. They're very like they're bright and gay. And, and then in the foreground, in the bottom right corner, there's this little cherub with like rolling his eyes. Stupid people! It's so great. Those are the best parts of the painting. Yes. Let's. I'm sorry. Okay. No, yeah, no, no. Let's reel it in. We were we were talking Walking Dead. You were uh, talking Renaissance. Yeah, era, totally. Which that's, is that's a step know, up. It's a, totally. I was throwing up. it back. I threw it way the fuck back. <laughs> um, but yes, 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 yes. So, but I I want to because I'm so fascinated with like kids who are the product of divorce, because I had a couple of friends who were the product of divorce and, um, uh, and you said it wasn't as bad as it Parts wasn't as bad. It, as it was the still really, it. really traumatic, but yeah, it was definitely not like, you know, my parents, were, it was like the, cause I'd read some book. There was like a series of books called like what it's like when blah, blah, blah. And was that something that your parents gave to you no. when they got divorced? I had no. it. It was at after school. There was one at after school and I would read it there. I would like go in the, in the vestibule at after school and like read books. Wait, tell, tell me about after school. Oh, it's, it's a program. After school care. Yeah. That's like, it's funny cause the article accompanying my artifact is mm-hmm. actually about after school care. Um, so my parents both worked. My parents are like fucking crazy overachievers my mm-hmm. dad is a he's now a professor so he doesn't really work at all but at the time he was like a union lawyer so he was gone a lot oh shit and my mom was she's been a ceo since i was nine so. oh my god yeah so they, yeah definitely and like the fact that i am now trying to do comedy unsuccessfully for the most part they're like what the fuck did we do like they have no clue i mean there was nothing they could have done it was definitely like a done deal but um anyway so uh it was my sister and i until i was eight my grandmother lived with us she was mm-hmm. like our nanny and then she moved to florida and so my parents were like oh we need to figure out what to do like they're not going to be latchkey kids my mom was a latchkey kid so she was like real sensitive to that oh, so gotcha. they had, there was a you know rec department after school program at um did you school. like it or did you hate it i liked it okay it was fine it was like there were different kids from school because it was. I went to a French immersion program and then after school was at a different place and they, it was like kids from. Wait, a French immersion program as your school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you, holy shit! So your parents were setting you up to be overachievers. Yeah, totally. My dad was like, "You could be a translator at the UN," or he. I would get like the president's speech like <laughs> at least a once comedian. a month. He was like, "You could be president," and now I'm like, "Thank fucking Christ, I'm not president. I would never want to be president. What a nightmare!" Oh my I god, I don't know why anybody wants to do it. No, it's like you're living in a in a cage. Yeah, it's very different from when we were kids. Yeah, dis- definitely. You know, discovering what a president does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't even think Reagan or Abraham Lincoln could be president. Yeah. Nowadays. Which sucks. No, because everybody is under like the most scrutiny. Yep. The most scrutiny. All the time for everything. And yeah. like all the time. Someone always has a camera on you. You're never safe. I don't yeah. know how you sleep. <sighs> Man, this got political. It's a political some... time. Yeah. It really is. And it's like I'm from a political town. Like Actually, was... yeah. Did you feel that? Like did you did you hear politics yes. talk a lot growing up? Yes. yes. So you so you grew up in the And it was during the Reagan was... administration. So yeah, it's oh. like a little it's a liberal enclave and a lot of the Obama administration lives there now. At the time, you know, it was the Reagan administration, so there were a lot of liberals who were there who were working for the um was it no it was the bush administration so they were working for the bush administration then when bush lost they like came out of the closet you know it was like a big deal when clinton won um damn but yeah it was very like i went to my first uh 
pro-choice march when I was, I think like the year before my parents got divorced. I think I was eight. Oh my God. So, so they took you or you my chose dad to? took us, yeah. No, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Why would anybody not want kids? I didn't understand what sex was. Like, I didn't understand getting pregnant accidentally, you know? Right. But my dad was like, we're going to go. And he told us like what was up, but it was just, we didn't get the sex talk. <laughs> we got like the abortion talk. So <laughs> that's kind of backwards. Yeah. So do you feel like, do you feel like your choice to become a comedian um, was a direct um like rebellion against what you came from or do you think that it was like tell me how it how it makes sense to you from the childhood that you have what spurred you into I don't, this direction I, I it was like as soon as i saw stand up i was like that's it that's what i want to do and you know because my parents were so like uh what is no that's not a job <laughs> i didn't start till i was 27 because i was like okay well that's not what adults do adults go to college and then they get miserable office jobs and they stay in those jobs yep. they have kids and that is how they get meaning in their lives yep. so that's what we're doing but then i was like then i i went to a comedy festival with my mom actually and I, it was like and i was a nightmare to go see comedy with because after we oh, would leave god. every time we would leave i'd be like i'm funny i could do that right and whoever i was with would be like oh my god yeah you're funny. You could do that, but I would never did. I could never. How, what comedy festival did you go to with your mom? It was the Aspen Comedy Festival. She she likes to ski, so she took me skiing. Wow! If it I was the HBO, it was like 2007, I think. That's so cool. Like, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was like we were going skiing, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's a comedy festival. Can we go?" So we got packages to go. Good nice. for you. Yeah, I think I don't know if you saw my if you saw my family, they're kind of comedy anyway. I mean, they're kind of a very Seinfeld. Curve mm-hmm. Your Enthusiasm family, but they wouldn't consider themselves funny. Yeah. <laughs> they consider themselves, you know, just like miserable about everything. Nebbish. Ne- very <laughs> nebbishy, very nebbishy. Yeah. And, uh, and when I showed my mother my first stand-up tape, she wrote me this email that was like, how the fuck did you come from me? You are so brave. I would never in a million <laughs> wow. years do that. Yeah. Um, still doesn't mean that they condone it, mm-hmm. but it's just such yeah, a Yeah, I think my mom was like, oh, it'll be a hobby. Like, she'll get over it. And yeah, my, I just yeah, never got over it. Yeah, parents keep hoping that. Mm-hmm. My dad kept oh, yeah, hoping I get, that I it was a hobby. I get proposed to, like, pay for grad school. They will still pay for grad school if I want to go to grad school. But I'm yeah. like, what? No. Why? Yeah. For, no. My mom is like, public health. I, I really think you're going to, I think you're going to do something with wellness. And I'm like, uh, is it going to be funny? <laughs> 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 I Probably not. That doesn't sound very funny. But... <laughs> Like Patch Adams, you know. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't uh, funny. No. <laughs> yeah. It was like at best a schmaltzy feel good hit, oh. and you gotta be pretty. That was rough. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, uh, so I want to talk about your artifact because uh, it is sort of like an activist. Yeah. Artifact, yep. which I think is appropriate to the conversation. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, it's because I'm a product of Tacoma. Like I have material about Tacoma Park, and it's because people do legitimately call it the Berkeley of the East. Like so it's, it's a super level, liberal enclave. Very liberal. It has a lot of like colorful, uh, you know, like bungalows and Victorian houses and white people that say Nicaragua. Like, <laughs> literally the entire town <laughs> talks like that. And my dad would have these brunches where he, he has friends from Chile and they would come over and he'd, it's like we have home videos of him talking about when they lived in Boston and they lived in Taunton. Mm-hmm. But he's on the video going like, Taunton, Taunton. And I'm like, you are the most embarrassing man. <laughs> like, Wait, your parents are from where originally? My mom is from Brooklyn and my dad is from Rochester, New York. Okay, so it's all you a Northeast say, thing. Yeah, he, yeah. They're not from South America. No. Okay. No, no, they are not. My dad <laughs> lived in Chile for a while. Um, 
like I think after law school and so he like you know he, he speaks Spanish yeah but he's like a fucking nerd about it it's, he's a nerd he's just a nerd <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what, did you ever have family va- before the divorce were there family vacations yeah but it was uh, we went to France when I was like seven mostly so that my parents could show off that their daughter could speak French like oh, I'm right, right. fairly certain do you still speak French I, I still do but not like I did like yeah. it was really like you know, it was like convincing <laughs> when I when I was a little kid, um, and I, I just can imagine like traveling with someone like your dad and it being like, oh my god, shut up! Like I don't know him, mm-hmm. I don't know him. No, I was too young at that point to yeah. be embarrassed. Uh, yeah, and then we went to Disney World once, but I know I understand you went like fifty times or something, right? This a is lot gonna, of this times. is going to become the, the topic of every podcast. No, I'm know, so every, fascinated by that. Every like, episode, a new Disney memory. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, Phil knows everything about Disney to the point where the, this people know more. A lot of other people like no, per- no. We did this this show that the show that we met on. Yeah, uh, this uh, this Charlie Brown parody show. Uh, there was a speech that Phil had, um, where he well no because okay. It was a parody of a Charlie Brown Christmas, and so there was a scene. And Phil was playing the Charlie Brown character, and there was a scene in which he had to play Charlie Brown playing Jesus, and he choreographed <laughs> this speech to what? What was it? Like, what was the movement that you were doing? I was doing the movement from the Great Movie Ride when <laughs> the tourist, like the, the tour guide, has to pretend to be wearing the white robe and is like, "Halt! This is cursed!" and like doing like all the very staccato hand movements and i i based it on that because (laughs) she one he or she was trying to be an animatronic two they were trying to mimic a robot and so like why not have charlie brown be a bad actor like that just mimicking a robot but also i saw the white robes and i felt inspired because i was also wearing robes and yeah so that is a really specific Disney thing. Like sure. you have to have gone to Disney a lot yeah, of times. I've never yeah. heard of that. Even. I stopped when I was 18 because I, it got real corporate and it, and also Disney bought and destroyed my favorite chat room website. And so I Wait, had, which was what? Uh, there was a, I discovered the internet with my Thank first you. website was uh, WBS.net, which was web chat broadcasting system. Hmm. And it had all these like chat hubs and things. And one of them was the star Wars room. So I, that's how I started learning to talk to people. Um, and so right around 98, 99, uh, the Go Network, which was Disney's big foray into trying to create social media, uh, bought WBS and then shut it down and then turned it into a series of Java applets. Oh, no. Yeah. Like it was, so WBS was a text-based Java optional website where you could do optional streaming or you could just hit refresh. And I was of the speed of hit refresh. Yeah. And you know, I'll never forgive them. And we, I've went twice after. So, but I mean, they now own Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So if they turn it into the Go Network, I'll be very pissed. <laughs> um, so whatever. Thanks, Disney. So you and Disney had a divorce. We had a divorce. Have you ever read Team Rodent? No. What's what is, that? Do you know who Carl Hyacin is? No. He's I, an author. He writes like novels, crime novels about South Florida. He wrote like strip tease. It's all, a lot of them have been turned into movies. It's great oh, if you're nice. like on a plane, you just like rip through it. It's oh, yeah. so good. But he is like super anti-Disney and he wrote like a pamphlet basically about how, how evil Disney is and how wow. they like destroy the environment and you know, how they mistreat. They call it Mauschwitz apparently, the employees. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we have an employee. In your family. Uh, yeah. Had she's no longer. <laughs> she used to. My sister worked there, and she had this breakdown that she was doing it for my folks, so that we can get a big discount and mm-hmm. stuff. And like, 
they kind of nudged her into it, but she also wanted it too. Yeah, yeah. So it was. It takes two. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they definitely wanted me to go to Disney College too, Disney Institute or whatever the fuck. To Yikes! <laughs> Indoctrination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking about Scientology earlier. A pretty similar. Different. It's a lot. Yeah, but the entertainment, so it's safe. Mm-hmm. Does that town? Does that like all Disney so is town <laughs> still exist? Oh, celebration. I think celebration it does. Yeah, I think it's like Did you hear someone yeah. died there. People like it was died. Old age. No, 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 like a murder. Oh no! Um, oh my god. Okay, so cel- not so much of a celebration yeah. anymore. Sorry, we're, we're drifting way off maybe, topic. Maybe it was. We don't know who it was. <laughs> there, ooh, okay, this is a little weird. There was a guy who was in celebration, who was a teacher, who was secretly kind of touching kids, and he kind of secretly kind of don't let him off the hook. He was a child molester, and he, he child molested the wrong guy, mm-hmm. and the guy was just a transient drifter. And he killed the guy, and then he held up in, a, in the uh, in the house while Celebration was trying to get to them. And uh, I think just look it up because I okay. I may have gotten all my facts wrong. All right. But there was a murder in Celebration. I found out recently that my middle school music teacher is like he's now in prison for child porn. <gasps> oh God! Shut up. Teacher for like twenty six years, like literally. Was he a years. beloved teacher? Or was he like? No, a scary... I mean not to me. I hated him. Like, oh. luckily, because I'm so pretty, but... <laughs> Wait, what kind of what kind of music... Uh... It was just, like, general music. It was when I was in 7th and 8th grade, he was a music teacher. And he... But, I mean, another girl in my class, like, when when it all came out, they were like, a girl said in 92, 93 that, that he molested her. And I was totally like, oh, my God, I know who that is. Like, Oh, that's cause, horrifying. Yeah, and it's totally... Because at the time, we were like, gosh, she is such a teacher's pet. That is so gross. And we had... No idea how gross yeah. it really was. No idea. It happened a few times in my school too. It did it? I don't. I, I don't know if this I happened. Like this came out last year. This happened in '92. Yeah. You know, this, like, these mine. They would happen. It would immediately be addressed, whether or not it was true. Sometimes, I we had two, and I'm not. I think I know one for a fact. It was my music teacher because he used to like pat my belly because I was fat. But I know he <laughs> like he oh, like God. locked a girl in in a closet and like groped her. Ew. And then he immediately was fired. And then I used to see him at the Borders Books of Music, like every Friday night with his wife, like silently staring at each other from across the cafe wow. table. Like, it was weird. I don't, gosh, I don't know if I was super sheltered and just didn't know that stuff was happening, but I don't know any of that about, I mean, we had a, we had a choir teacher who people were, he was kind of a mean, a mean dude. And people, he had like a really flat ass and people said that, <laughs> um, that his ass got sliced off and put on his head and that was his face now. <laughs> um, but, but that's a great insult. I know. But like he, listen, he was a good teacher, but he was so, so mean. He should have been, I think he probably wanted to be wanted to be like conducting like a professional choir and yeah, not like yeah. a bunch That's of so sixth sad. graders, you know? But it's like, dude, it's my friend, one of my friends is a teacher and the music teacher at her school is like that where he's like screaming at second graders. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, cool. dude, this isn't the career that you envision. Exactly. I get it, but get over get it. Get, get a get hobby. Out. Like yeah. go yeah. start a choir yeah. if you want to have a professional choir. It's Oof. so weird. Oh, this took a very dark turn. Yes, yeah. it did. Hey, um, it, you know, they're all different. No, I know. That's why I like it. That's why I like yeah. it. Well, tell us. Okay, so give us some context as to this uh, artifact that you're okay, going to Okay, so share. after my parents got divorced, it was like they, you know, they, they in their own way, tried to one-up each other to, like, spoil us. Of so course. my dad got us both bunk beds so that we could both have the top bunk. <gasps> yes! And then eventually so that we could both have the bottom bunk because, yeah, but it was great for, like, sleepovers. We could have sleepovers all the time and... Um, oh, I had like amazing. eight million stuffed animals. You know, mm-hmm. we have like a lot of pictures from that from that era. Um, but we 
slept with since we were kids we slept with the closet light on in the bedroom it was we shared a room and uh the closet was like a big closet so it was like my clothes on the left my sister Beth's clothes on the right and then there was like stairs behind her clothes so it was a big you know you could like go in there and sit and like do stuff <gasps> so so cool i would have sat in there all the I time i had dreams that there was a room up there and then i was like no there's no room up there i don't know why i thought that and then i talked to my mom and she was like no there was a room up there and i'm like well what's true and now they sold the house so i can't go in back in the closet yeah it was like there were stairs in the closet that went to nowhere but they uh, they apparently previously did go somewhere that's such a fantasy yeah oh my god that's amazing yeah and i still have dreams about like finding other rooms and houses which i think is like a common thing but i'm like no there was one in my house growing up so like is extra meaningful when well I, also when I, I mean you could have been in a past life like associated with the underground railroad oh very true yeah i hope yeah. i was <laughs> i hope that's There's the kind a, of person a, i was a lot of houses in my town i grew up in a colonial uh, connecticut town and there mm-hmm. were a lot of houses that were uh, on the Underground Railroad, and so there were like secret, secret passages, passages That's behind so walls awesome. and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely, I would hope that I would, if there's some situation like that, that I'd be like, "Yep, everybody, come over here." I think um, if I, if I ever have a house, if I ever am not an apartment dweller, if I ever have a house and enough money for it, I would like build secret rooms into yeah, it because yeah. I think that's so cool for your kids. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who had a um, a bookcase that opened into. It was just like <gasps> went around into the laundry room. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. Okay, so anyway. Okay, yeah. Continue. Okay, so um, so it was more context about... Okay, so yes. my parents were divorced, and you know it was hard for them both, I think, to like discipline us in that time, because it was like we were in pain and whatever. And they want to be the good cop. Yeah, totally. They both want to be... And my dad like, is incapable of confrontation. Yeah. Like, even with a nine-year-old, I think. So, yeah. um, but it was like... So that was our nightlight. Like, we put the the light on and the closet light on at night and then my sister would go to sleep she was always able to go to sleep in like two seconds and i it just takes me a while to get to sleep yeah and i would get up and either go into the closet and read or go into the closet and write in my notebook and i would get busted by my dad like regularly but he would come in and be like you are in so much trouble (laughs) i am so proud and mad at you yeah he thought you were adorable Yeah. yeah totally he loved it and and you know like my parents I was the first one and my parents were like nightmares about that competition with other parents so like I had to read first there's tapes of me read I'm gonna have to look them I I wanted to bring one of those um there's like tapes of me reading books when I was really little oh my god um they're at my dad's I'm gonna I yeah I told him I was like I need those yeah so um get those to us so this particular artifact he busted me writing in the closet um and I was like in a lot of trouble and said to bed but then unbeknownst to me he took it and mailed it to the local paper (laughs) And they published it. And even at the time, I was like, you know, I would have liked a chance to maybe rewrite that yeah, before you sent it in. Or something. Yeah. Like a, a light edit would have been to everyone's benefit, I think, Dad. Wow. I can't believe he went and did. I mean, like, I would have been so excited, I think, to have my shit published. But at the same time. I was, but I was still like. Intellectual property. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I'm nine. So what am I going to do? It's his. It's really his intellectual property at that point. But. Um, it was like that day in class, we'd had a presentation about the Chesapeake Bay and the Chesapeake Bay at, is still, you know, there are license plates to like save the bay because it's constantly in trouble. Right. So we had just had a presentation and I wrote down like my impassioned thoughts about how we had to save the bay and why it was important. Yeah. Yeah. What so, is the paper? It's called the Tacoma Voice. Still going strong in Tacoma Park. Uh, it's from April of 89. So I was nine. And what like, what section did, did your little did your I mean I was three I was three um, <laughs> it's it's like it's in Tacoma Kids and there's a little section called the Kids Voice and after this got published there were like other Kids Voice columns published like other kids uh, got, Trailblazer yeah totally totally Sweet. <laughs> I mean you know not on purpose but <laughs> um, well please uh, read it for us all right 
the headline is, I don't know if I did the headline or if they did, but it's the Chesapeake Bay needs our help by Katie Compo. The Chesapeake is getting more and more polluted. Once, the fourth graders at Oakview Elementary School saw a satellite picture of the bay. The bay looked clean, but we could see all the pollution in the Potomac River, and we knew that it would end up in the bay. Think about it. It is your bay. You have to take care of it. Four exclamation points. You have to treat it as if it were real gold. Most valuable thing I could think of at the time. Yeah. Uh, All the workmen should be more careful that the dirt from their building sites doesn't wash into the bay. We need the bay for our water supply. Suppose we ran out of fresh water. We would have to drink the bay water. And if we can't drink the bay water, it's brackish. But anyway, and if we kept polluting it, we would get sick and die. And nobody wants that to happen. Most of the time, we think of the bay as unimportant water, but it is our source of most of our food that we eat every day. Also untrue. (laughs) Where do the restaurants get their crabs? Where else but the bay? They can't grow them on trees. We need the Chesapeake Bay, but it is dying from our pollution. There are people who absolutely love the bay, but there are also people who don't pay attention to it. If we don't treat it right, we're saying goodbye to almost half our food. People who ride motorboats should be careful not to let so much oil out. Osprey and eagles are dying off because the fish of the bay are dying, and we need the Chesapeake Bay now and in the future. And then it says, Katie Compa is a concerned nine-year-old Tacoma Park resident. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but is the, is the bay, is that where all the famous crabs come from? Uh, a lot of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't drink that water. No, I'm pretty sure it's it's like partly salty, and that, that's why the crabs oh, live there. So oh, right, 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 we wouldn't, right. Like, we would drink the Potomac water before we drink that, which would also be alarmingly disgusting. <laughs> this is very topical, re-flint. Yeah. Yeah, yes. indeed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's uh, that's great. I mean, that he. Well, I mean, you kicked open the door. Your father yeah. helped, <laughs> but that they would post that, and then eventually there would be enough attention that you'd get all these other kids' voices. Or... Yep. And did you did you feel uh, satisfied? Like, did you get a really good feeling having? publish this and say oh I want to do more of that now no I was kind of embarrassed I was like really shy as a kid like it's even when I started doing stand-up my friends were like you're doing stand-up yeah. you're the shyest person I know isn't that so exciting though yeah. to be like in your face because I, yep. I was the same way and then as soon as I got on stage and like heard my own voice I was like oh this is fucking great yeah totally and, and it's like was nobody like here you? fucking knows me I get to tell them who I who I think I yeah. am you yeah. know yeah it was very quiet before yeah. I discovered did how did they, uh, the kid, did kids respond to this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I don't really have any memory. I don't, I don't think I took it to school or anything like that. But I mean, my dad definitely got 200. Like, I, I got this from him. He still had it. You know, he has like, there are more. Oh, yeah. There His are more proudest copies. He moments. got so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for letting me read it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> did you, so with the, so, okay, you're a shy kid. And, um, and so you were a little embarrassed about this, Mm -hmm. but when, how old were you when you first got on stage and heard your own voice, like performing? Oh, um, and knew it was a good feeling. No, like not till I was an adult. Really? Yeah. I tried out for the school play in high school, but I had a cold and couldn't really sing. So I never got on stage with that. I played sports in high school. That was more my sports. I was like a team. Yeah. Team sports was like. And even then, I didn't like to be, you know, I was like team captain one year for JV field hockey. And I was, even that was like a little much, but it was still, I was performing. I was definitely like the funny one. And that was mm-hmm. how I got elected captain because I was funny, you know, because mm-hmm. I was like such, so great at field hockey. Were you a popular kid? Um, by the end of high school, yes. But it was more like we like Voltron our popular group 
like we weren't the popular kids. <laughs> it was just like by the time we were seniors, we looked around and we were like, hey, there's a lot of us. I think we're the popular kids. That's, <laughs> like, that's pretty yeah. fucking rad. Yeah, it was great because it was a Catholic school. So it was definitely, you know. All girls? No, co-ed. Before it was like it had been co-ed for five years when we started. So question about that. I went because I went to public school. Phil, mm-hmm. you went to public school. Yeah. yeah. Um, was uh, sex a thing? Yeah, totally. In Catholic school? Not for me. Catholic school? Of course it was. It's like more a thing. Yeah. Why? Because they talk about it being so evil, so then you're more tempted to do it. And and you get pregnant and you keep the baby. Yeah. And did you see that happen with your peers? Yeah. Oh, shit. They had to drop out. It's like, you know... I think a lot of them also got abortions and never talked about it. Probably that happened more than having babies. Well, I mean, there there were Catholic schools in my town, too. And it was... You know, in the improv scenes, they say don't push the red button... There's like alarms around the red button before you push the red button in Catholic school because they warn you so much more. So it, what you're saying is the red button is is way more tempting than it would yeah, normally be. Yeah, absolutely. And they like in, when I was a junior, there was a uh, group called Stop AIDS for Everyone, mm-hmm. and they had somebody come in and she did a condom demonstration. And I remember the principal was in the room, and it was like he walked out shaking his head, and then there was no more Stop AIDS for Everyone. Ooh. We weren't allowed to have it anymore. Wow. So you didn't. It was. Oh, fucking, you did, did you not have sex ed? Or did you have Not abstinence there. I had, only? I went to public school um, before high school. So gotcha. yeah, they didn't know there was no sex ed. Not at all. And was there like Bible class built in? Yes, every year, religion class. Yeah. And the senior year religion class, I got to find the book, the workbook for it because it's seriously like how to be a wife and mother. It's totally... Oh my God. And I'm like, we're 17. Like, get this shit out of my... F- I, I need to go to college. if you showed that to your mother, she wouldn't be into that being a CEO yeah, herself. She, no, no, she totally... I mean, they sent me there because I was like not doing well at public school. Um, but that had nothing to do with discipline and everything to do with ADD, right? Mostly, yeah. Um, it was also like it, it was it was the right thing for me to transfer schools. It was like I, it was between this Catholic school or Georgetown Day School, which is like super fucking like rich kids. Yeah, snooty. ritzy. And I went for like a school visit there one day, and I was like, I'm not gonna fit in here. They call their teachers by their first names. I cannot get into that. <laughs> I need to yeah. like have a title of respect if I'm gonna respect you. you That's know? hilarious. And the kids were like nightmares. They were just all like, oh hey, you know, it was ugh. yeah. <laughs> It was all of Quinn's friends and Daria. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Daria. Um, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, you're really interesting to me because I feel like you, you, you keep talking about um, like being a kid who really followed the rules and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see you as, as like that, like a really stringent or inflexible person now in no, your adulthood. I'm so very like, different. What, what cracked open? What broke? Um... That's a good question. I think it's just like I, I, you know, when I was like nine, I like proclaimed that I wasn't going to clean my room if I didn't feel like it. And then once I got to adulthood and I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to clean my room if I don't feel like it. This is amazing. Then yeah. I like really just relaxed a lot. It was. Did you find you cleaned, you cleaned your room more when you realized that you didn't have to do it? And no, I still do not clean my room if either. I don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like definitely because like the apartment is pretty clean and then you like walk behind the bookshelf where my bed is and you're like oh my god what the fuck happened in here <laughs> so <laughs> it's not as bad as she's saying i've seen it in person it's pretty yeah nice. but i think it was pretty clean today i mean every once in a while i'll be like i can't find anything it's time to clean but yeah yeah <laughs> i remember that feeling of uh the first time i i moved into an apartment in new york and i was like oh i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. right now like i can have a glass of bourbon right now yeah. if i feel like yep. it yeah, uh, and that's a pretty novel experience. I'm a lot less anxious now too. It was I had a lot of like magical thinking when I was a kid. Like if I How worry so? about this enough, 
it won't happen. Yeah, I still do that. Yeah. Wait, you thought I thought if I worried about it, I thought it. Wait, what? I thought I could preemptively worry about something and prevent it from happening. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's. Yes. Uh, I would worry about everything so that it wouldn't happen. Yeah. And as a result, nothing ever happened to me. Yeah, correct. I mean, it definitely worked. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. I know. mean, I'm, I'm now just. And it's like you're everything. still thinking magically, is what it's, you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a lot better with it now. But like, even when I started working, I would like, you know, if I knew I was going to get in trouble with something, I would like really obsess over worrying about it and like punish myself preemptively. Yeah. Before I still I, do that, Katie. Yeah. It's it's really very liberating to decide not to do that. Yeah. I I used to because I used to. Have have real violent nightmares i used to project what i thought the nightmare would be or where my brain would fu- would take the left turn and then <laughs> that night i would not have the nightmare wow because really I, yeah that I would is manifest. some real strong brain power yeah but but now I, I forget to do that and then i have nightmares but anyway hey it's great <laughs> your nightmares are so interesting though phil has nightmares about uh very like sci-fi and horror wow. genre, like very f- cinematic nightmares. Yeah, I was on a cruise ship and the thing creature was in there, and I decided that we had to blow up the ship because we wow, because because if the if the ship docks, we're humanity is right, is, totally is fucked. Yep. So we had to. You, you had to do one for the, the team. Uh, yeah, you had well, to do I mean, the, what I, is it? Um, Armageddon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> blow it up. And then uh, yeah, I did the whole Bruce Willis turn and Grand Nine. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like weird, weird philosophical dreams about robots and mm-hmm. replicants and yeah, but that's when I don't protect myself by worrying <laughs> about advance. the nightmare. I'm glad, I'm so relieved that there's somebody that the preemptive worrying is. Uh, I is mean, that's a thing that's, that definitely came from my parents. Well, my, my mother specifically preemptively worries Mine about too. everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know how to not do it yet. I mean, I'm still worrying about my Have parents. Have you read The Gift of Fear? No. You got to read it. Okay, I will. Thanks. I yeah. will take that. I will take that. I need to, because I feel like if I worry about something enough, then I can see it from all the angles and not be surprised mm-hmm. when the bad thing happens. Yeah. Mostly about my parents' death. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then in that moment, it's difficult because I did that with my grandfather because I used to always worry that he was going to pass away. Um and when he finally did, I'd spent so much time worrying that it was hard for me to process the emotions of knowing that he was dead. And it's totally like as much as you think you're ready for it because of all the worrying, you're not ready for it. No. So you might as well not worry. You'll yeah. never be ready for yeah, it. Yeah, you won't it's be ready for it. And, and you'll be shock. able to deal with it when it happens. Like it will pass. Yeah. I don't know. I want to I wanna come to you in the future when crises occur. <laughs> yeah, I'm available. I'm available. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, um, the story. Well, uh, I know. Thank God you're local. Uh, I want to give you a little present from the 90s. All right. I'm so excited. Um, this came from... Uh, I like this bag. The, oh, yes. This is a tote bag uh, from Temple Beth Tikva Nursery oh. School. Uh, this is the bag in which I haul around all my all my old it's journals. amazing. Thank you. I did. I s- saved everything, which is sometimes not so bad. Your parents still live in their house, right? Their old yeah, house. they yeah. do. That's another thing that I, I would have nightmares about them moving out of that mm-hmm. house because I lived in the that same was house really traumatic. my whole life. Yeah, I can't... I can't even imagine it was just the stuff we had to throw away it was like because my sister and i had to spend like a like two days going through the basement all our shit in the basement were you crying the whole time uh no we were mostly like oh my god look at this but it was still it was really really psychically exhausting and 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 sad yeah my um, um there were a couple of things where i like we still you know don't cry together very much but definitely there were like a couple of things where we were like i'm gonna put this away and cry over it later yeah of course <laughs> but, of yeah. course my mother uh went through um, 
my my grandmother's house, which I used to I grew up going there all the time too, and she she finally sold it. Um, my grandmother has since passed away, but like when she got rid of that house, which was in Queens and was beautiful, oh, and man. I so wish they hadn't sold it. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, Where in Queens? And um, it was in this like little kind of enclave called Holliswood, which was it's 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 in Jamaica, the larger mm-hmm. Jamaica, but it's like a tiny area like up the up from Hillside Avenue where like the streets are all windy and like the cool. houses are really adorable and oh so so wonderful um but I still have pangs once in a while where I'm like oh I can never I can never go back mm-hmm. there again I can never smell what the inside of that house smelled like mm-hmm. and that's painful for me and that wasn't even my house growing up right so my little brother um still lives at home and I think that he thinks that he's gonna take over that house someday when my parents decide to exit it or when they pass away mm-hmm. um uh because he's even more clinging to Attached, that nostalgia yeah. than I am but I kind of wish I had moved at least a couple of times when I was younger so that I didn't have so much fear about mm-hmm. about leaving that's the thing is that I know all the most painful parts of my life haven't happened yet and that's horrifying and they're not going to be as painful as you think either they're just going to happen you're good at processing no i mean (laughs) (laughs) i've been through i've been through a few painful things yeah it's you know it just makes you a better person that's all (sighs) i like you katie (laughs) i like you too (laughs) all right so this is one of the things from that house which uh if we had sold the house i'm sure it would have gotten tossed but as it is it's a choker. All right. Yes. Um, it's made of metal, uh, <laughs> like kind of like a chain mail situation. And it's got this one round blue rhinestone oh my hanging out the front. Like Jesus, very. This is a real thing. Very like cat collar sort yes. of thing. It's amazing. Um, I used to have a ton of chokers. I would wear, I think I would arm myself in jewelry because I would wear like you five or do. six nether. <laughs> I know, but I used to, it used to be like I was covering my neck and like covering Johnny my Depp hands. Like Johnny Depp covered? Yeah. Wow. Like I would wear rings on every single finger. <laughs> oh my God, she's putting, it, putting on it on now. It's gonna be so great, especially with your hair up in a high ponytail. Oh, Abby, I gotta put down my uh, my little. Hold on, I'll show you my '90s hair. Your '90s hair? Yeah, I did it for Lauren Mall. Did this uh, video about witchcraft, teenage witchcraft, and it was all like. Oh yes, the, the, the like two strands. Yeah, two in each. the front. Yeah. Oh, look at that! Okay. And you've got the there headphones on. Yep. You okay. look like you popped right out of yeah. Reality Bites. It's so <laughs> great. Excellent. It's so great. Well, we got to go. We're going back to the 90s, guys. So uh, we'll see you next week. Things were simpler then. Right? Yeah. You don't have to wear that if you don't want. No, I, I'm going to. But it actually I, looks I pretty home, good on you. I but I'm going to wear it here for it sure. It looks yeah, pretty good on awesome. you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, well, Katie, uh, do you want to uh, give a shout out to the listeners about your two podcasts? Yes. I do, yeah. So my podcasts are The Shade of It All, which if you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, you Woo-hoo! should absolutely listen to. It's so much fun. This season is going to be amazing. Yeah, come on the podcast. I'm, when? Yeah, Abby and I are going to okay. do it. Yeah, great. For sure. Um, okay, awesome. I'll text you uh, like ASAP to get you on, I think. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, so that one is a lot of fun. And then the other one is much more serious, and it's called Kid Life Crisis, and it's about deciding whether or not you want kids. Because my co-host uh-huh. has a kid, and I think I can say is pregnant again, and is, like, not looking forward to... I mean, she was, like, not wow. into pregnancy, not into, like, having a young baby, and she's about to do it again. Wow. Oh, yeah. No. So we talk to people about, like, we talk to people who do have kids, people who don't know if they want kids, people who decided that they do and don't have anybody to do, you know, just, like, it's it's been a lot of different... Um, people to talk to and 
has had also the happy effect of making me feel like it's going to be okay no matter what, <laughs> whether or not I have kids. That's so, amazing. Barely yeah. you're confronting it. That's the best part. That was like the, that was why it's I wanted important. to do it. I was totally like, oh my God. And now I'm like a lot more relaxed. Yeah. And it's also fascinating. And I don't care if it ever gets successful, except that I do. But, well, that's great. Uh, well, <laughs> well, we all, we yeah, all kind but of it's do. really fun to do it. That's yeah. good to have that. And where can people find that? Just iTunes? Uh, yeah, they're both on iTunes. Kidlifecrisis.com. The other one we don't have a website for because uh, I am too lazy, but it's, uh, it, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash the shade of it all podcast and then dudes being dudes is uh the second tuesday of every month at over the eight in williamsburg brooklyn and then i have another show happy place uh which is the third thursday in uh astoria at qed mm-hmm. at nine o'clock don't wow. ever don't and ever say you're lazy you're doing a lot of <laughs> stuff you. a Seriously. lot of stuff guys um, if you have uh, four other things you're doing and a lot of childhood <laughs> memories contact us at the bitch or or uh, on Twitter, you can tweet again. We're still looking for a uh, tagline for the end of this show. So uh, <laughs> not that's some crunchy chicken. Not that's some crunchy chicken. Um, <laughs> although that has become the thing. Okay. Um, Bye. <laughs> we hope you all have a great week. Thank you guys. And uh, find us on Twitter at the underscore bitch underscore seat. Okay, bye. Bye. This is Chelsea. This is Evan. And we're the hosts of Call Us Crazy, a podcast all about diagnosable disorders because I have Tourette. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So we're very, very passionate about destigmatizing and normalizing these and other disorders. We want to entertain and enlighten. Evan, how many glasses of whiskey have you had today? I have had zero and I'm going to a holiday party, so I'm going to fix that. Well, you have, though, been drinking. I've had wine. Okay. And did you just, or did you just not peer pressure me into drinking wine with you? Um, I wanted to drink with you, so I nudged you in that direction. (laughs) Fair enough. What would you do if one day you went home and there was no whiskey left in the world? I'd be bummed out, and I would hope that there was room on my credit card to get more. But what if it didn't exist anymore, Evan? Um, I would have to, I would drink more wine. Okay, that's a good answer. Tune into Call Us Crazy. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!